For millennia, philosophers and poets have marveled at the mysterious power attractive people wield over us. From picking mates to choosing politicians, the research says society's bias toward attractiveness can have some ugly results. Gordon Patzer is a business professor at Roosevelt University in Chicago. He's also the author of several books on the effect of physical beauty, including Looks, Why They Matter More Than You Ever Imagined. Uh, And, Professor, I can just think of all the people out there now who don't consider themselves attractive thinking, oh, God, really? (laughs) I'm sorry to say the reality is exactly what you've just expressed individuals of lower physical attractiveness or those individuals who perceive themselves as lower physically attractive, less good-looking, the world is not stacked in their favor. Why is that so? What does the research tell us on this? The research would show the best we can determine, I guess we're looking at anthropology, we're looking at evolutionary biology, evolutionary psychology. We're certainly hardwired to prefer individuals who we judge and society or culture judges as higher in physical attractiveness. And then that brings us up to modern time or contemporary time. And now the media just reinforces it. Our social interactions reinforce that, not necessarily explicitly, blatantly, unless we step back and take a look. But certainly it permeates the lives that we live. And it's not in one part of the world. It really is all around the world, the research would show. Well, I think it's, it's amazing, frankly, that uh, study after study has shown us that we, we're not only attracted to good-looking people, we also make this incredible array of assumptions about them, that they're smarter, they're kinder, they're more generous, more trustworthy, when we have nothing else to go on but a picture. Yeah, that's really frightening, and it's unfortunate. And what's a downside of that, certainly, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, is if you expect an individual to interact in a certain way or to respond in a certain way, we will perceive them largely influenced by that. And in turn, those individuals take on that feeling also. And particularly troublesome to me in that regard is it happens very often subconsciously, and it happens very often at literally elementary school. Children, higher and lower physical attractiveness, start getting different messages from their teachers as well as from their friends when they go to recess to be selected for teams. And then that continues throughout college, and then it continues into the workplace in, in that hiring officials, those who are making those decisions, they think individuals of higher physical attractiveness are going to do better in the workforce. And so consequently, they tend to more likely interview those individuals, more likely higher probability to hire them. And once hired, they bring them in at a higher salary. And lo and behold, yeah, tall, or excuse me, more physically attractive individuals do tend to do better in the workplace. And I accidentally slipped in the word for the moment started is that one of the objective measures of physical attractiveness, which is a subjective aesthetic, but, uh, well, it's an aesthetic dimension of a person, but yet we have high agreement. Anyway, one of the objective measures is height. And sure enough, taller individuals who are then perceived generally as more physically attractive 
are more successful. And I just give a quick comment. We're in the political season in the United States, yeah. but we can also look at Canada. Your current prime minister, Justin Trudeau, is 188 centimeters. Your primer, excuse me, former prime minister, Stephen Harper, also 188 centimeters. One of our very controversial candidates at the moment, Donald Trump, same height, 188 centimeters. We tend to elect at the national levels always the taller of the one or two finalists, and that really continues throughout history in that regard. So that's like an objective measure of what we see happening in the workplace on a less explicit, distinct difference. Why uh, I, you touched on this before, but but what is it when we talk about hard wiring? Uh, what would be the reason for that? What what are people seeing in in these these other folks? That uh, I mean, is it is it as simple as the continuation of the species, or you know, what's the deal? What's the, the is there a rationale behind it? Yeah, the best understanding in that regard is if we go back to, let's say, historic times, prehistoric times, those individuals who were most able to defend against attackers, who were most able to bring food, to capture prey, to eat, were individuals who were what we still see today at the core more physically attractive. And in that regard, more physical attractiveness, if you boil it all down, and it's really multi-featured, boil it all down, comes down to does the person look healthy and does the person look younger rather than older? And consequently, if we go back to the historic times, yes, younger adults who were healthy, which which were probably strong individuals, they were able to do the things I've said. Well, that's carried through to modern times. Again, we still look at those things. Does the person look healthy? And then there's all little uh, offshoots of that. For example, um, as we age, our skin tone changes, our teeth color gray, our hair changes. And we start to look less young, of course, and less strong and uh, uh, less healthy. And consequently, we have cosmetic surgery and et cetera to try to reverse all of those things. And so that's the history of it, bringing it again to current times where we put somewhat new definitions on what defines physical attractiveness. But this notion that we use physical attractiveness, I'll use the term informational cue, that has continued throughout history and continues today. Can't we consciously um, overcome that that uh, you know hardwired bias? I mean, there there are a lot of of uh, things that are that are hardwired into our subconscious that these days uh, we probably don't need as much as we did. You know, the fight or flight uh, uh, syndrome that uh, that can uh, upset people and, and cause them anxiety when there is no reason to feel so. So is there any way we consciously overcome this, uh, you know, this hard wiring? Yeah, there's two dimensions to that, I'll say. First of all is, I'll say, yes, definitely we can be, be more conscientious of it, and uh, which will go a long way to making us overcome it. I like to believe that I am not influenced by a person's physical attractiveness. However, when I interview people, when you look at research by other individuals as well as myself, you will see people will say, no, I don't 
respond differently. I don't expect differently of people higher and lower in physical attractiveness. But then you put them into an experimental research design, a so-called candid camera where they don't know where they're being watched. And you see, despite their denial, and I believe their truthful denial as they feel, actions speak louder than words. They say they don't respond differently, but sure enough, if we have two messages delivered or a message delivered by unattractive individuals and by attractive individuals, that message delivered by attractive individuals, and in a workplace that could be a salesperson or the many other negotiations that we do, is going to be believed more, it's going to be more influential, and uh, people are going to trust it more. So despite what we say and we try to do, because we certainly have the ideal in North America, maybe worldwide, is that we're a democracy. People are born, yeah. you know, born, created equal. Right. But in reality, really not. In fact, we can go back, and there's been a couple studies which are difficult to do, but we've looked in, in a nursery. Before babies are released from a hospital when they're freshly born, those individuals more physically attractive, in other words, at that age, more acute, they're, they're touched more, they're spoken to more, and they are held more. So we start very young, facing much different environments, hmm. and we develop as a function of our environment to a large extent. And so, again, that continues through to adulthood, where, sure enough, those attributions that you started this conversation with, where we assume certain good things, let's say self-esteem, uh, positiveness, etc., those individuals who are now adults entering the workplace or whatever, they've had a much different life. They've gotten much more positive reinforcement through life. And sure enough, that they have higher self-esteem. They may well be more gregarious in society, in the workplace. And um, then this becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. again. Professor, uh, has your success been based on your looks? <laughs> I'd like to say not. Absolutely not. <laughs> Listen, we appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. Uh, thank you, I think. Uh, business professor at Roosevelt University in Chicago, Gordon uh, Patzer, uh, his book, he's written many books on this issue. One of them is Looks, Why They Matter More Than You Ever Imagined. Well, that's going to make a lot of crappy days ahead <laughs> for some people, including me.